Welcome to the Dad Connection Podcast. Helping dads grow themselves so they can help grow their greatest asset on earth, their children. Now, here's your host of the Dad Connection, Keith Jowers, with advice on how to relate, connect, and build a better relationship with your children. Well, welcome everybody to the Dad Connection. This is Keith Jowers, the founder of Dads for Life and founder of the Dad Connection Podcast. Well, I am back again with a dear friend of mine uh, who's actually in the same type of of work out there uh, dealing with dads and and is so excited that our our schedules actually matched up so we could both be together tonight to talk about dads and fatherhood and actually him being a father and and we're excited about his story tonight. I I want to introduce everyone to you, my friend Ryan Roy. Welcome, Ryan, to the Dad Connection Podcast. Hey, thank you so much, Keith. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited to uh, chat with you once again and, and uh, just talk about fatherhood and hopefully, you know, have a dialogue where we can empower some other fathers around uh, who are listening to this. Well, you know, Ryan, we have been uh, knowing each other for a while and, and working uh, in the fatherhood uh, arena, basically, and trying to impact dads and, and help them to be all that they can be. And I, you and I have kind of a similar story. I mean, uh, really kind of having to learn all this on our own, right? I mean, I mean, my dad died when I was 11 years old. I, you know, from there on, uh, from 11 on, I mean, I basically had no influence whatsoever from my father or, or anyone else. And, and it just kind of, um, well, you had to learn a lot uh, about the hard knocks of life, you know, on my own. So, and I think you have a similar story, right? Yeah, I absolutely did. And, uh, you know, my story starts with, uh, you know, I, I, I say that I was abandoned by my father at age five because that's what it felt like. It was uh, right before Christmas one year. Uh, my parents were divorced. Uh, I remember uh, getting tucked in the bed by mom and just sharing with her, you know, the, the presents because I was such a good, good good boy that year. The presents that I wanted Santa to bring over to dad's house and then the the presents that I wanted him to leave at uh, mom's house. And my mom kind of paused me and she let me know that night, uh, just about two weeks before Christmas, uh, that uh, I would no longer be going over to dad's house. But she reassured me that Santa would be bringing all the presents to her house. Uh, And that was a conversation. I was five years old and, um, and it was really, I don't really remember the last time I saw my father, but I do remember that conversation. So, you know, going through adolescence uh, without, just like you just stated, without a lot of guidance from a male perspective, um, uh, just coaches in my life. Uh, when I look back, I was, I was fortunate to have coaches while I played sports. You know, you had those male teachers that maybe you looked up to or, and you kind of took a piece from, uh, got into adolescence and, and teenage years. And just like any teenage boys, I imagine, without a lot of direction, um, got into some of the wrong crowds. Uh, but but I, I like to say that I was fortunate that I quickly realized that wasn't the people that I wanted to be around. Um, and by God's grace, I, I swear he had his hand on my shoulder and he just directed me in another way. I enveloped myself in sports, again, coaching. Um, but there was something that really tugged at me as I graduated college um, of, of this desire to want to know who my father was. Um, 
So uh, long story short, I met my father uh, at age 25 and um, he didn't want much to do with me. You know, he said it had been this way for a long time um, and basically didn't want to have a relationship. I was really angry for about 10 years. Um, never wanted to have children myself because I didn't want to have a broken relationship. I was fearful of having a broken relationship, not being a good enough father. And then I, found, I met this amazing woman uh, who's now my wife, my bride. And uh, she, uh, it's interesting. Because when we met and when we started getting serious and we started talking about a long-term relationship, one of the things she shared with me is that the doctors told her that she was, uh, the chances of her having children were about 5%. And she asked me if that bothered me. And I didn't, I said, listen, whatever happens, happens. I love you. But internally, I felt as though Keith, that I had hit the lottery. I found the woman I loved and I would never have to face my biggest fear of being a father. Well, we got married. Six weeks into the marriage, she's pregnant. (laughs) And I was about to face my biggest fear. I was about to face my biggest fear of being a father, but I knew I uh, was with the woman I loved. I knew I was with the woman that I Uh, was going to spend the rest of my life with, but I quickly realized that I needed to do something and figure this fatherhood thing out because there was no way that my child would experience what I experienced. So I needed to be the best version of myself. Um, So that's that's kind of a a short version. I think you and I have chatted uh, here a few times about that not being the only one now, right? Well, yeah, now we have a, a second one. So we have uh, two. We have a seven-and-a-half-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old. And, uh, and I tell you that they rule the house. And I wouldn't have it any other way. I have to say, uh, somebody said to me right before the first one was born, you know, you know is the, the best job I've ever had is being a father. And I thought to myself, wow. He takes it that seriously. It's a job. He, and he says it's the best job he's ever had. And, and I thought to myself, it's going to be the best job I ever have. That's my first priority is, well, my first priority in, in the pecking order is God. My second priority is my relationship with my wife so that they see that's a strong one and they have stability. And then the third one is my children. Um, but they make me a better man every single day because I consciously make decisions based on how it will or will not affect them. So it's a fatherhood has been the greatest gift I've ever gotten in my life. You know, Ryan, uh, the other day I saw uh, a father walk in he had a, uh, into the area that I was at, he had a shirt on and it said, being a dad is the most important and the most uh, rewarding job, but it's also the hardest that there is. And that is the, the thing is sometimes dads say, oh, it's going to be easy, piece of cake or whatever, but it's, it's worth it regardless of what you have to walk through as long as you are involved in that child's life, right? Oh, I love that perspective. I love that t-shirt. I should get one myself. It is probably one of the hardest jobs because for me anyway, and, and I don't know about the audience, but the, uh, 
the conscious effort to try to do the right thing, knowing at some point we're just human and we're going to slip up. We may say the wrong thing at the wrong time or the right thing at the wrong time or, you know, or the, the, the wrong, it, it just every single day as I'm trying to impact and empower my children, um, I just, I, I always say, I know I'm not doing it perfectly, but I am giving my best effort. Um, so, you know, the, the research that goes into it, if, if there's a new challenge that's coming up, you know, I have a, a podcast, I have uh, the shirt on for those of you who are watching video, for those of you who are not, but it, my podcast is, I don't know jack about parenting because I've written a parenting book. I've read, uh, I don't know how many parenting books I watch, whether they're YouTube videos or listen to podcasts. I, I I'm up on the, I, I'm in Facebook groups with, you know, thousands and thousands of fathers and just hearing the concerns that they have and answering those questions and researching them for myself. And no matter how much I've researched, no matter how much I've done, no matter how many times I think I've gotten it right, these little guys, they grow and they change <laughs> and they bring new challenges. And with those new challenges on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, I feel like I don't know jack about parenting. So on my podcast, I really just share my journey and my experiences um, of this thing we call parenthood. Well, and I know also that um, you wrote, wrote a book recently. In fact, I have a copy right here. It's called uh, Be the Dad You Wish You Had. And uh, so that's definitely what I tried to do because I, I didn't know a whole lot up until, you know, from 11 years on. Uh, and it was a very um, turmoil, a lot of turmoil in my home prior to that while he was there, you know, at early ages, but due to a lot of stress and stuff. And But, you know, when, when we add up so much stress to our lives as dads, it's so difficult to to be the dad, you know, that we need to be to our, our children. In your book, you wrote, uh, one of the statistics I'm, I'm aware of is that the, uh, an average father in the U.S. looks his child in the eyes less than 15 minutes per week. And that's a, a sad yes. statistic that we're in today, Ryan, to, to know that dads don't spend that kind of time. But in this book, you talk about some, some practical ways um, of, of how to be involved in your children's lives. And it says 40 power lessons to become a powerful dad. Now, we don't have time for it to go through all 40, but tell us a little bit about the book and how it <laughs> came about. And then we're going to talk about a couple of the chapters that I read just recently on the plane I was kind of uh, was very interested in. Yeah, fantastic. I'd, I'd love to do that. So first of all, the, the title, um, Be the Dad You Wish You Had, is, is similar to you, as you just stated. I didn't, I didn't have a father figure growing up. So... One of my concerns was, well, I don't even have an example. As I analyzed that, I'm like, maybe it's a good thing that I didn't have an example. I could have had a poor example of what it was, and I would have created some maybe poor habits and mimicked those things. Uh, but for any father out there, whether you had a dad present or absent or uh, abusive or uh, maybe an alcoholic or you know whatever it may be, or, or maybe a great dad, I, I think every scenario. Um, as I just previously stated, every father is going to make some mistakes. Uh, and I, I know those mistakes 
are ingrained in us as children and we bring that into adulthood. And so many fathers that I've spoken to and I imagine fathers that you've spoken to will talk about if they have a a negative feeling towards their own father, they'll say words like this, I'm never going to be like my father. Have you ever heard that? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I imagine some of the dads listening to this podcast are going to say the same thing. Yeah, I'm the, I was never going to be like my father. Or I'm never going to be like my father. And I said, listen, how can we change that mindset? And, and the mindset and the shift is, if, if we talk about a little psychology, is when we say don't, and I talk about this in one of the chapter of books, don't tell kids what not to do. Mm-hmm. Tell them what to do, right? Uh, and the, the example in that chapter is, you know, if a kid's running through the house, don't, don't tell them not to run in the house because then they have multiple options. They could stomp, they could, you know, skip, they could roll on the ground and you don't want any of those other options. But if you tell them what to do, and that would be to walk, right? Walk in the house. That's what we do in the home. Uh, then they have very clear directions. So I think if a father says, well, I'm not going to be like my father, well, he could be a whole lot of other things. Maybe he was absent. He could be present, but he'd also be abusive. He could be a lot of things that his father was not. But if he takes the mindset of, I'm going to be the dad that I wish I had, and he starts jotting down what that looks like, I'm going to spend quality time with my kids. I'm going to attend their events. I'm going to sit there and speak to them every single day. That 15 minutes is going to become minimum 15 minutes a day that I really catch eye contact and connect with my child, not 15 minutes a week. And keyword there, minimum. So when you start talking about what you can do as opposed to what you can't do, I think that's a lot more powerful. And that's why I said, be the dad that you wish you had. Because I I think you and I know myself, uh, for me, I wish I had a present father. I literally, when my son was about to be born, I said, I need to make a career shift because I worked a lot of hours and strange hours and seasonal hours. And there'd be times where I worked 18 hour days, five, six, seven days in a row. And I said, no, I need a career shift. And I really spent a lot of time over the first two years of my son's life uh, educating myself so that I can become a life coach. And that's what I do today. And the whole purpose around that was that I can be home working from home and that I can be present. I could drop my kids off from school to school. I could pick them up from school at the bus stop. I could go to all their events because I could adjust my schedule accordingly. And I'm fully present in my son's life, kid's life, both of them now, but the little one. I, I, but that is, that's a decision we have to make as dads. I yes. Mean, I was uh, a young divorced dad okay, against my will. I didn't, didn't want that, yeah. but it happened. And, uh, when the, when the judge's order came down, then I had no choice. But I chose that I would never, ever, ever leave her, you know, uh, and be right there with her. And I was in elementary school events. I was at middle school events, high school events. No matter where they were, I was there. But that's a choice you have to make, dads. We're talking to Ryan Roy here on the Dad Connection tonight. And uh, it's a friend of mine. And he's wrote a book called Be the Dad You Wish You Had. We're going to get into that in just a moment. So, Ryan, where can we get this book, by the way? So the book is available. Uh, it, it has become a bestseller on Amazon. Uh, so you can go to Amazon.com. You could type in either my name, Ryan Roy, or Be the Dad You Wish You Had, and it will come up. Or 
If you want to get a signed copy at a much greater or discounted rate called free, uh, you just have to pay shipping and handling. You could get that at be the dad you wish you had.com forward slash free book. And uh, you could pick it up there. Just pay shipping and handling. I will sign it personally, personalize it if you need me to, and get it shipped out right away. Well, you can't be free, but got to pay that shipping and handling. That's for sure. Because <laughs> you can't just ship it out, and uh, we're not everybody's not prime, right? So, <laughs> so we, well, I'll buy the book. Prime Prime does every free shipping. I'll I'll buy the book for you. You just pay for the shipping, and I'll get it. <laughs> there you go, folks. So reach out to Ryan to get your copy of "Be the Dad You Wish You Had." had. I want to get into a couple of the chapters. I was reading it on the plane this last weekend. We're going to see my, my grandchildren and uh, uh, my wife was not able to join me, but I said, well, I got some time. And so I have a, a screaming baby next to me. <laughs> <laughs> the kid kicking the seat behind me. And uh, I, I think mom kind of understood I did not like that. So, uh, but anyway, so I said, I'm going to get into Brian's book. So I started reading your book then. It's interesting how I just got so involved in that. I wasn't paying attention to what's going on around me. But let's talk about chapters. Actually, they're right together. So it's going to be easy on you. Your chapter, by the way, is right up my alley. Okay? Like one to two pages each. So <laughs> I think you may have one for three pages. I don't know. But they, they were not really long. And I really like that. So, But I found chapter 17, 18, 19, and 20 in there I want to discuss briefly with you. And... Chapter 17 has encouraged physical activity. Today, Ryan, I see it all the time. I go into restaurants, wherever, and, and kids are always on their devices, right? And it's constant. And I've gone into homes and kids are on their devices. I mean, it's, it, it's the way things seem to be this day and time. But activity to be physical involved, like running and jumping or playing sports or something, is very important. Why do you say that in your book in Chapter 17? Well, well, number one, you know, like you just said, we are going away from. So what, what you just said to me and what you described to me is a disconnection of family. You, you, you're in a restaurant, in a public place, and they're gathering to have a meal. Yet everybody, I imagine not just the children, but everybody is disconnected. Everybody's on their phone because that's what I witness. Uh, so what I witness there is a disconnection of family. And what my book talks about is connection, dads to their children. And the best way to do that is through, you know, these 40 lessons. These 40 lessons, not one of them cost a dime. They just cost your time and, and, and your energy and your effort. So when I talk about physical activity and encourage it, you want your kids to be healthy. I want to I want and want continue to want my kids to be healthy. But what happens when we start moving our bodies, right? Our, our, our lungs breathe better. There's more oxygen to all the vessels, our brain. And this book, you know, I wrote it uh, when, when my first son was uh, just turned five. I started jotting these ideas down and everything in here are things that I did with him. At five years old and four and three and two and one, you know, an iPad or an iPhone or a gaming system wasn't in his vocabulary. I mean, we had them, he sees them. He maybe got a little bit of time on an iPad or a phone occasionally uh, because obviously there's a major part of our life right now. But what was more important, and I actually wrote this down, these were, I was so focused on him and, and, and 
spending time with him that on my daily goals, I wrote down, go to the park, mm-hmm. go see the train, go for a hike, have an ice cream cone, like with intentionality and going to the park and watching him run and going down the slides and, and talking about the cell phones. I always felt a little out of place, uh, but I'm okay with being out of place. I would see the other parents. This is kind of a sad thing for me. I enjoyed it, but I would watch the other parents on the benches or standing around doing exactly what you described in that restaurant. They're staring down at their phones while I'm going down slides with their kids and I'm playing tag with their kids as my phone got left home or left in the car because if I'm going to the park, then it's still this way today. If I'm going to the park with the kids, I'm going to the park with the kids. I'm a big kid myself. Mm-hmm. So I, I, we encourage physical activity simply because I want them to be healthy. I want them to be active. Uh, and, and physical activity is a major part of that. Otherwise, the opposite of that is what? We, we, we're suffering in this country from a lot of uh, adult obesity, but that translated and translates into kids mimic what we do. So if their parents are suffering from that challenge. Typically, the same foods are being consumed in the house. The same activity levels are happening in the house. And now we're dealing with an epidemic of childhood obesity. Well, there you have it, folks. That's why we have to keep our children moving. Doing something physical activity is very, very important. Chapter 18, talking about building puzzles, which I like because it helps develop their mind. My, uh, our granddaughter, our grandson was here uh, over the summer, and he actually put together a puzzle. I mean, it was so quickly, just just like in a matter of minutes. I'm like, how'd you do that? <laughs> so I, I thought it was a puzzle piece missing because I couldn't find it. Well, I think it was he had a hit or something, but but it was like just. I mean, he zipped right through it. Right, I was amazed at how quickly this four year old had done that. Mm-hmm. So you talk about that, but I guess that's. Uh, kind of making your mind a little bit more active, right? Again, making the mind active and thinking. So think about a puzzle. And and as you say that with the four-year-old, I think at four years old, my son and I did a thousand piece puzzle together. Uh, Obviously we didn't start there, but it's, and he didn't do much of this thousand piece puzzle. It took us about three weeks in the evenings, but we would sit at the dining room table where we had this puzzle. And it, it was, it, it's so interesting to watch kids. First of all, if we're talking about smaller puzzles, right? Let's, let's not talk about a thousand piece. First of all, they have to flip them over. They have to find edge pieces, right? We got to look for those, those four corners, right? It's a, if we're building a little bit larger puzzle. And then you have to see how shapes go together and you have to think differently. Some are upside down, some are sideways. You have to coordinate colors and there's an organizational process that happens when building a puzzle that if they do it early and often, other things such as math that are, you know, there's, there's a structure. How do you do math problems? There's ways to do math. It's, it's very systematic, but so is doing a puzzle. And if we could get them having fun building puzzles and looking at things differently, why would we not want to do that? So going back to this thousand piece puzzle, he didn't do much of anything, but I'll tell you what he did do. He observed dad being patient. He watched a process that didn't happen overnight in this, what I call microwave society. 
where children get things in an instant, whether it's going through a drive-through or, or microwaving something really quick or, or whether it's, hey, I want to play a video game, right? Let's just say on an iPad. You and I used to have to go to an arcade and pop in a quarter. These kids get any video game. If, if we wanted to watch, I don't know, you know, maybe I'm dating myself. I know you're familiar with this, but, uh, you know, I remember watching The Wizard of Oz once a year on television and couldn't wait for it to come around before, you know, VCRs and DVDs and all these things. And it was like an event at the fair. If my son wants to w- watch The Wizard of Oz right now, he turns on the TV, goes to Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, whatever. And if he's got to pay three bucks, which is just a click of the button, he doesn't need dad to pull out a credit card, right? He can watch it. There is no delayed gratification in many of the things that our kids have. But building a puzzle and taking time and seeing a process gets him to start understanding or gets her to start understanding that things take time. Yeah, I I was going to say that that, that's absolutely right. I mean, I see it. uh, um, Kids that go in a store, a grocery store or whatever, and they want that. And that's why they put those things lower, you know, all the sugar stuff right there, their eye level, right? But they know that, that uh, if they don't get it, then they start throwing a fit. And, you know, it, that could cause a big problem because they want it now, you know, and there's no delayed gratification that we're talking about there. I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, let's talk real quick and add these two together, building blocks and paint color draw, uh, chapters 19 and 20. I found that interesting as well. Can you elaborate on those two? And then we're going to get into that group that you're doing with dads. Yeah, fantastic. So, so the building blocks and paint color draws, building blocks I'm going through with the younger one right now, right? He's one and a half. Uh, he's practicing balance, right? But again, we're practicing patience. Because not too long ago, he couldn't stack two blocks together without having the patience to knock them over, right? Dad builds it, he'd knock it over. So dad just builds it again. Try to get three, try to get four, he knocks it over. That's what's going on though, Ryan. Listen, I had a blast, right? But just the other day, we got up to 14 blocks. Not that I did. He's, he's uh, you know, a year and a half that he stacked 14 blocks over. And then dad knocked it over on him and he laughed hysterically. And, and then he got up to 14 again and then he knocked it over before I did. But, you know, on the blocks that we have, they have the, the, the letters, uh, pictures of lions and balls. And, and as we're stacking these, I'd say, hey, where's, where's the picture of the lion? And he's sitting there and he'd find it. And can we stack that one? Hey, what's a lion say? Roar. And we're sitting here for an hour just stacking blocks and having conversation and learning our colors. And it's, again, a patient building thing. It's a fun thing. It's a coordination thing, right? We always build a base because we do it on the carpet, right? So we put four blocks together and then we build it up. And he's just watching how things are constructed. Paint, color, draw, uh, it goes back to the patience thing for me. Um, I'm not much of an artist, but early on, uh, my son, uh, the older one, asked me to to make a picture of Mickey Mouse just randomly. And uh, I realized I do have some artistic ability that I never really explored as a child. And it went from drawing Mickey Mouse for him on a big poster board to Buzz Lightyear to Lightning McQueen. But again, we started tracing, you know, not, not tracing, but visualizing and making an outline with a pencil. And then darkening that in with a marker and then coloring with crayons or markers, depending on what. And it would take me three, four, five hours while he looked over my shoulder or he'd do something else. And he said, dad, how's it coming along? Oh, you're almost there. But he saw it took time. 
and, and, and all of those, it's interesting that all those go together there, you know, and what the feedback from his teachers in school, and I directly relate it to this, as early as four, five, six, he's now seven, is he displays extreme patience and is thorough in everything that he does in the class. And I direct that to the amount of time we paint color, drew, played blocks, and, and you know, built puzzles. That's exactly what I was going to get at, which was the, was the patience that it takes to do those things. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the principles are the same. I mean, regardless, uh, you've got to have patience. Ryan, you, you, you and I were talking about a group that you felt led to do. And uh, you told me that you went, had this idea, and you went to the school and, I guess, approached the principal about it or something. Tell us about the, the group, uh, and it's uh, called FBI, right? Yeah, so FBI stands for Fathers Being Involved. And when I first brought my son, he's going into third grade now, so I got to this school, and they, they had the program in place. So I, I don't want to take full credit for it, but the, the FBI, and they call it FBI Dads, Fathers Being Involved, but FBI Dads, just to get that little ring. Uh, what they did, and I was so excited to go into elementary school, and there was a dad's program, right? I was like, I'm an involved dad. I can't, I can't wait to get in here. And, and what they did is they did reader days. So we would get a group of dads to come in and read to the classrooms four times a year, 60 classrooms in the school. We'd get a bunch of dads. We wouldn't always get 60, so some of us would have to double up. And I thought, wow, this is a great program. Uh, you know, there's a positive male presence on the campus, which, as you know, <laughs> is very important in childhood development to have that positive male role model, whether it's dads or uncles or grandfathers or police officers on the campus, right? That positive male role model really means something to these kids subconsciously. So, uh, you know, I talked to the guy who was leading FBI dads and I said, hey, you know, wouldn't it be cool instead of waiting in the lobby for school to start? Because the dads would have to get there early. You know, 7.15, bell rings at 8, probably in a classroom at 8.15. But because of parking and things, dads would gather for like an hour. We weren't really doing anything. So wouldn't it be cool if we had a breakfast? And we invite the dads to breakfast, to have breakfast with their kids. I could do a small presentation, uh, get them interacting and talking. Uh, I ended up getting a a sponsor for donuts to come in. So it was kind of like donuts with dads, but with this presentation, and then they go off and do a reader day. So the first time I did one of these, Keith, uh, it was first grade. I went through all of kindergarten with just the readers. Uh, His first grade year, I introduced this. Our very first dad's breakfast uh, had six dads. It went to like 50 and then it kind of dwindled the rest of the year. Last year, I made it my mission to get at least 50 dads at every breakfast. We now host six breakfasts. And last year, we had on average uh, 75 dads per breakfast. Uh, It was a huge success. Uh, And and my goal this year, as we're about to start the new year, and and I have a plan in place, is to get uh, much more involvement and to get 100 dads per breakfast. It's been a tremendous program. The kids love it. The dads love it. And I actually had a mom just yesterday say, how come we don't have a mom's group like this? <laughs> I said, it's called every other event because your moms take over. Please allow us dads yeah. to have our, our breakfasts. Well, that kind of comment of that, and people said, why don't you have a granddad's for, for life? Well, 
the truth is, is that there's a lot of granddads that are being the dad. Okay. Yeah. But then we have, uh, out of all the, the thousands that are following us around the world, uh, in our social media feeds, we actually had a mom reach out to us one time and say that I wrote, she really appreciated what we were doing. And I'm saying, well, why is, why is mom appreciating what we're doing? Come to find out she was a single mom and she was pulling both roles. Yeah. And she wanted to learn what the dad's role is supposed to be because her child's dad was not that, which was very, very enlightening to me. That's been a few years back. So we we say, yes, we're dads for life, but, but we're here to support anybody that's really trying to, to, to raise their child in a positive manner for the, uh, for the future. Because, I mean, our society needs them, right? We're not always going to be around. So... <laughs> Well, you know, the, the FBI group, I told you, I really like that idea. And I think you ought to continue working on that and trying to, to make that even bigger. But it sounds like you had a good group there, Ryan. Oh, we have a fantastic group. And, and I think, you know, if, if I had to say I, my envision or my long-term goal on that is, as I'm developing it and tweaking it and, and growing it um, – is, is really I would love to have this in multiple schools, not only in the state of Georgia, but all over the country. Um, but I, I, my, I get to test that out on my son's school first. I, I, if you would ask me three years ago if I thought anything like this, uh, I would have never thought it in a million years. But uh, really, as you said, I've been called to do this, and it's really organically growing. And I, I get excited just thinking about it, talking about it. And I'm so proud of the dads who have really stepped up at the school and shown up. Uh, but I, I'll tell you, uh, they do. It's so interesting because they thank me for creating the space. Hey, thank you. This is great. I love coming here and have, but when's the next one? Uh, which, which really tells me that dads want to be involved but there's not always that opportunity within the school system to do so. Well, folks, we've been uh, talking to Ryan Roy, the author of the book, Be the Dad You Wish You Had Had, because a lot of us uh, haven't had that. A lot of us have. And, and it's exciting to know when I talk to uh, folks that have had their dad a while and they were really involved in their life and, uh, one particular gentleman recently I was talking to, Ryan, um, was at his dad's deathbed, holding his hand and crying because his dad had been so involved in his life. So there are those dads out there, and that's what Dads for Life is trying to do, is to encourage, enhance, and enrich the life of all dads to be involved in their greatest asset on earth. And that's the one that's going to pay the biggest dividends if they're involved, and that's their children. So, um, you know, we, you and I have the same similar work, and, and I appreciate you being a part of us. Let me ask you a question as we start to, to wrap this up for the evening, Ryan. What's the one thing you think dads who haven't been involved could do to start being involved? Maybe there's some, you know, rough situations and relationships they have to work out, but what is that one thing you think they could do to, to let's say, start paving some, a new road? Well, that's a, that's a great question. I think I have two answers to it. And the first thing I would say is take those 15 minutes a week and turn them into 15 minutes a day and ask your children questions about themselves, really take an interest in them. And it, it could be, and, and, and there's, just so you know, there's resources out there to do so. It's an instant gratification world, but there's some positives to that. You could literally go on and Google 
what good questions could I ask my five-year-old that they could answer? Hey, would you like to be an astronaut or a firefighter? And then they'll, they'll answer you. And when the, whatever their answer, I want to be an astronaut. Well, why do you want to be an astronaut? Because I think it'd be cool to be in outer space. Well, why would it be cool to be in outer space? Well, because I might see an alien. Oh, what kind of alien would you see? And what do those aliens just really engage, right? And just ask them out of the box questions that encourage their imagination. But then you may say, well, what if there's a broken family where it's a 13-year-old? Well, you could literally Google and ask the question, what questions can I ask a 13-year-old? And those may be different questions, and I'm not quite there yet, so I don't have those first. I could tell you a hundred of the, these other ones, but really take, take your 15, time, Ryan. Take your time. <laughs> and trust me, I, I am. Uh, I had that conversation with someone today about, you know, I'll tell a quick, a quick quote that I love. Tony Dungy, uh, for those of you who don't know, he runs a, a website called All Pro Dads. So that's just a plug for all pro dads. I'm not getting paid to do that. They, it's amazing. I'm subscribed to them. Great information. But Tony Dungy says he always heard uh, one of the things his father implanted in him is he says, take your time, enjoy the ride. A lot of parents will say when the kid's born, dad will be like, I can't wait till he's five so I could throw that ball with him. And then when he's five, they can't wait till he's 10, right? Because he's going to be more athletically inclined. Let's just say that dad, right? Oh, I can't wait till he's 15 and he's playing in high school and I get to go to his high school sports. I can't wait till he's off to college. And everybody's so busy about can't wait until they're gone. Next thing you know, they're gone and they were never present where they were. So trust me, when you say that for me, uh, I, I hold that true. I love every moment of where they are. Uh, but the second part of, of, to answer your question is what else could they do? I, I say this to the dads because I get the answer when I'm promoting the FBI dads in the school and maybe I have a little table at an open house or a meet and greet or something like that. And I say, Hey, sign up for FBI dads. It's no cost. It's nothing. You just got to come and have breakfast with your kid. And the number one response I get from dads is this. Yeah, but I work. And I smirk and I say, yeah, I work too. And then I say, let me offer you this. The way kids spell uh, love is T-I-M-E. And your kids, because I know it's important to you because you just said it to me, your kids know that work is very important to daddy. Probably because they hear often, oh, you know, I got to. I got to go to work or I can't make it because of work or I have a late work meeting and I have to send an email out for work when they're trying to get their attention. But in my household, my son doesn't have chores or anything. His job is to perform to the best of his ability at school because that's his work because he knows mom and dad have work. So how important subconsciously does a child feel when a dad can show up to their place of work? When he's supposed to be at his place of work, what does that say to that kid on that day? Wow, I'm more important than work. And I share that with the dads. I said, I'm only asking you to show up to one. You have six opportunities, but trust me, it will impact your child. And they will be so proud that you took time out of the thing that they feel is most important because you tell them it's important through your actions and your words that they were more important than work that day. And trust me, when I have you have an interaction with your children, you'll never forget it and neither will they. So time 
is important to children. So just spend more time. Start with that 15 minutes. And as you learn to enjoy those 15 minutes and those 15 minutes turn into 30, just grow on that. Absolutely. Well, we've been talking to Ron Roy, the author of Be the Dad You Wish You Had Had on Amazon. You can find it all over uh, all the book online bookstores. And then also you can reach out to him. What's your website again? Be the dad you wish you had.com. And you can get a copy of the book there at be the dad you wish you had.com forward slash free book. Wow. So there you have it. Well, Ryan, we appreciate you being with us on the dad connection podcast tonight. And we are, you and I will be connecting on a regular basis and staying in touch so we can continue our work towards, towards a very important role in life. But I really appreciate you being with us tonight. And I thank you so much for being with us here on the dad connection and you and I will talk very soon. Okay. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. It's been a blast. Thanks for listening to the Dad Connection Podcast with Keith Jowers. For more inspiration, motivation, guidance, and encouragement, visit KeithJowers.com. And make sure to follow Dads for Life on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube.